It was February 1990, and a brand new exciting adventure game show was about to grace British television screens for the first time. Produced by Chatsworth Television for Channel 4, the show featured teams of six friends traversing through four distinct sectors of a maze led by a flamboyant and charismatic maze master, with the goal of completing as many challenges as possible to collect time crystals. The more crystals they collected, the more time they would have in the Crystal Dome for a chance to win big prizes. While similar shows had aired in the past, most notably Treasure Hunt and Interceptor, they were no comparison to this show, which would go on to become one of the most beloved and memorable shows of the 1990s. Let's take a look at the story of the origin, creation and legacy of one of the greatest game shows of all time, The Crystal Maze. The origin and creation of The Crystal Maze starts in 1989. Channel 4 had commissioned a UK version of the French game show Fort Boyard. A pilot episode was set to be filmed at the eponymous fort just off the western coast of France. But as the fortress was unavailable for filming due to ongoing refurbishments, a makeshift replica set was built at Elstree Studios in London for filming to take place. Hosted by Richard O'Brien, the pilot was deemed unsuccessful due to the considerable changes that were required in order to cater the show to a UK audience, and was scrapped. This pilot was never broadcast. However, short clips emerged in 2019, thanks to a special French behind-the-scenes documentary. While Fort Boyard itself would eventually be ported to UK screens in the late 1990s, starring Melinda Messenger and Leslie Grantham, Channel 4 were set on creating a new and exciting adventure game show for British audiences. Malcolm Hayworth, a producer at Chatsworth Television, approached Fort Boyard's creator, Jacques Antoine, and asked for his help in creating an alternative game show concept with distinct themed zones for contestants to complete challenges in. During the subsequent visit to France, Antoine took the producers to view a full-size crystal dome that had been built by the French, revealing that his idea was to have this as the centerpiece of the show, with four themed zones surrounding it. With that and a few rough sketches, the concept of the crystal maze was born. The show was developed in just two days. In order to film such an ambitious show, the show's producers knew that an extremely large set would have to be built. Shepperton Studios in Surrey, England, just south of Heathrow Airport, was chosen for the first series due to their immense 30,000 square foot H stage, with each subsequent series being moved to an adapted aircraft hangar at North Weald Airfield in Essex. The show's director and producer, David G. Croft, admitted that it was not an easy show to film. It was the biggest set ever built at the time, they were using new technology, their budget was huge, and there was a lot of pressure on himself and Malcolm Hayworth to get it right. And get it right they did. After months of planning and preparation, the stage was set, and the first episode of The Crystal Maze 
was broadcast on Thursday, February 15th, 1990, at 8.30 p.m. The rest, as they say, is history. The premise of the Crystal Maze was simple. A team of six friends, both men and women, would attempt to win time crystals in four themed zones. Each time crystal was worth five seconds. The more crystals they could collect, the more time they would have in the Crystal Dome at the end of the show to try and win their chosen grand prizes. Each game had a time limit, meaning if a player was unable to exit the room before the time was up, they would be locked in. Similarly, some games were automatic lock-ins, meaning if a certain number of mistakes were made, usually three, the player would be automatically locked in. Come on, girl, get up there. Get up. Oh, oh, dear, 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 it's all over. Their fellow team members could buy them out to rescue them, but this would cost them one of their precious time crystals. Alternatively, they could keep the time crystal, but this would mean one less person taking part in the crystal dome at the end of the show. Let's have a look at the four themed zones that appeared in the show. Each zone was set during a different time period, and this was reflected not only by its appearance, but also in the timekeeping devices that were used, how the games were designed, and how the players entered and exited the zones. Firstly, the Aztec zone depicted an ancient Aztec village with sand, plants, carved pillars, and ruins. The timekeeping device used was a water clock, and players entered and exited the zone either by rowing down a narrow river, going through a tunnel, or climbing up a large set of steps. There were a wide variety of games available in this zone, including the frustrating Gag the Gods, the tiring Seesaw, and the hilarious Gorge the God. I think you better come back, Miss. <laughs> come back and get a refill. <laughs> The Aztec Zone appeared in all episodes of the original series, as well as the revived series. It was certainly a fan favorite. Next, there was the Futuristic Zone. As its name suggests, this zone was set on a futuristic yet run-down space station in orbit around an unknown planet. The timekeeping method used was a digital keypad, and players could enter and exit the zone in a number of different ways either through an airlock system, through which access would only be granted after the team answered a question correctly, or through a special passage or elevator. Games in this area matched the theme of the zone perfectly, including iconic games such as the Crawl Maze in Series 1, the scary-looking Air Supply in Series 5, and the fiddly Balance the Crystal Weight. Similarly to the Aztec Zone, this zone appeared in all episodes of the original series, as well as the revived series. Next, the Medieval Zone. This zone was designed around a castle in the Middle Ages, built with stones and wood, lit with candles and torches, 
with a floor made of flagstone and covered in straw. There was also a large dining table in the middle of the zone, which the team and the maze master occasionally sat at before starting the games. Entry to this stage was occasionally through a portcullis that the team had to manually raise at the castle's entrance, or had to climb over, and other times across a narrow beam or a large set of stairs or ledges. In terms of timekeeping on this stage, sand-filled hourglasses were used. What was interesting about this zone was that it was depicted in the show as being the home of the Maze Master and his mother, Mumsy, during the first four series with Richard O'Brien. The medieval zone featured in every episode of the original, and for a brief time in the revival series, before it was replaced with the new eastern zone. Finally, during the original series, there were two more zones used. The industrial zone, during series 1 to 3, and the ocean zone, during series 4 to 6. The industrial zone was set in a chemical plant, with warning signs, metal barrels and corrugated roofing and paneling. Timekeeping in this zone was done using an analog clock, and entry to or exit from the zone was done in a number of different ways, at first by having to find a key to unlock a gate, but later changed to forcing the team to clamber over a number of small obstacles, with stairs leading to the other zones. From series 4, the industrial zone was replaced with the ocean zone, designed around a sunken ship held within an air bubble at the bottom of the ocean. There was an elegant staircase in the middle of the ship, couches, a grand piano, boiler rooms and maintenance corridors. The timekeeping method in this zone was also the analog clock, and entry and exit from the stage was done by climbing down from the bridge into the boiler room via a rope ladder, with hatchways and ventilation shafts leading to the other zones. The zones in the Crystal Maze were just one part of what made it unique, capturing the imagination of the viewers and giving the producers ample space to be creative in the kinds of games they designed. At the beginning of each series, the show's producers had to develop about 48 different games to be played. During each taping of the show, there were six game rooms in each of the four zones, and teams would play between 13 and 16 games on each show before going to the Crystal Dome. The producers had decided that they didn't want to air the same games every week, and so decided to design enough games to make sure the show felt fresh. After considering their budget and doing a little maths, they decided that 48 games would be the right number. It was a mammoth task to design such a wide range of games, all within their budget, able to fit in a 12 feet by 12 feet room, and playable in two to three minutes. The show's producers have admitted to having to turn down many ideas for games, either because they would cost too much to make, would require more space, or would take too long to complete. Over the course of the original six series, a total of 277 different games were created and played. There were four types of game that the team could choose from. Mental, mystery, physical, and skill. Mental games revolved around testing a player's memory, 
either by having them answer questions, remember sequences, or by completing 2D or 3D puzzles. Some of the highlights were the Red Door Maze in Series 1, Mumsy's Questions, which appeared in multiple series, and Put Those Lights Out, a game that was never completed successfully. Um, I need some help here. Come on, Ian! Extinguish all the lights. Yes. What have you got in front of you? you can't, we can't see because you're in the way. Mystery games were wide-ranging, testing a player's problem-solving abilities, such as a treasure hunt or a large-scale maze. Some memorable games include Ball Drop, Double Maze 2, and the absolutely impossible Balls in the Holes. Sally? I get, can't hear you! Get oh, the white oh, circles! Oh, get the ball on the white circles! One ball on each circle, so don't, you know, go to... You've got to get the balls on the white circles, Sally! Can you hear, Sally? Physical games were my personal favourite where players had to traverse an obstacle course of some kind, usually having to lift, push, crack or manipulate objects in order to win the crystal. Fan favourites included Walk the Beam, Assemble the Shape, another game that nobody was able to crack, and Ropes and Ladders. Lastly, there were skill games. These games tested the player's dexterity, accuracy and hand-eye coordination including target shooting, vehicle driving, and timing tests, including games like Dune Buggy, Pea Shooter, and Bowling for Crystals. Got another thing around. After time had ran out in the fourth and final zone, the Maze Master would then lead the team to the Crystal Dome, where they would compete for the grand prizes. Follow me to the Crystal Dome! Teams had a certain length of time, depending on how many crystals they had gathered, inside the Crystal Dome, to collect as many gold tokens as possible, trying not to collect any silver tokens. The tokens were blown through the dome by large, powerful fans under the mesh floor, making collecting the tokens very difficult. Will you start the fans, please? The team had to gather the tokens and deposit them into a letterbox on the dome wall. The goal here was to get 100 points. One point would be awarded for each gold token collected, and one point would be deducted for each silver token collected. If their total was 100 or more, the grand prizes were theirs. If not, the team would go away with a special commemorative time crystal, which said, I cracked the crystal maze. And you get, you get one of these marvellous, marvellous crystals which says, I cracked the crystal maze. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing shoddy about that. Don't try taking this through customs, though, Nick. They will have you for it. OK? Each episode of the show had a budget of £125,000 and took two days to film. On the first day of shooting, teams would complete the crystal maze as normal, with a camera crew following them to capture all the action. Then on the second day, teams would return to the games they completed to play them again, in order for close-up shots to be filmed. All in all, one entire series took about five weeks to be filmed. The Crystal Maze was not the easiest game show to win. In the original series, of the 83 teams that took part over six series, only 17 
were able to triumph in the Crystal Dome, a win rate of about 20%. Nevertheless, as a viewer, it wasn't so much about watching the team win as it was about watching them adventure through the time zones, try their hand at some deceptively difficult games, and of course, to enjoy watching the incredible Maze Masters that were Richard O'Brien and Ed Tudor Paul. During the original run of the series, there were two Maze Masters. The original host was Richard O'Brien. Prior to hosting the Crystal Maze, O'Brien was already an acclaimed actor, writer and musician, most famous for having written the hugely successful musical stage show, The Rocky Horror Show. His Maze Master persona was that of an infectiously enthusiastic guide, welcoming and guiding teams through the maze with energy and fervor. He always wore a long fur coat, brightly colored shirts and sleek leather boots, occasionally brandishing a harmonica to play what he called excitement music. During his tenure, each episode opened with a short monologue to camera, which had originated from when O'Brien was joking with the cameraman during filming of an episode, and the production team liked it so much they asked him to keep doing it. Hello, Reckless Rick here, a.k.a. the cool dude, ready to lead another team of intrepid adventurers deep into the very heart of the Crystal Maze. O'Brien was quoted as feeling like the monologue to camera unknowingly added a complicity between himself and the audience at home, making the experience of watching the Crystal Maze feel a lot more personal and involved for the audience. Each successive host has continued this opening monologue to camera, each putting their own twist on it. Following O'Brien's departure from the show at the end of Series 4, Ed Tudor Pohl stepped in to fill the role of Maze Master. His elaborate dress, described as Georgian and consisting of a waistcoat, tunic, off-white sleeves and trousers and long black boots, was similar to O'Brien's and he was able to maintain the energetic style O'Brien had brought to the role, whilst at the same time giving the Crystal Maze a dark and intimidating feeling. It was certainly seen as almost an impossible task to fill O'Brien's shoes. And while O'Brien was missed, Tudor Pohl was successful in his own right and brought a new backstory to the show that kept things interesting. At the end of the sixth series, the Crystal Maze was unfortunately cancelled, leaving millions of fans dismayed. Well, sadly, that's the very last show in the series. I don't know when I'm going to see you again. Well, hopefully soon. But meanwhile, keep on rocking. The reasons for this are not clear. But after the departure of Richard O'Brien, the show had lost one part of what made it such a success. There's no doubt that Ed Tudor Paul was a good replacement but as mentioned before, recreating the magic O'Brien brought to the show was a tall order. It wouldn't be until 22 years after the last episode of the original series that fans would be teased of a possible return. On October 16th, 2016, a special one-off celebrity special was filmed for Stand Up To Cancer with acclaimed comedian, writer and actor 
Stephen Merchant, taking on the role of Maze Master. It even featured Richard O'Brien, appearing as the computer. It was an instant hit, and led to fans calling for and even demanding that Channel 4 bring the show back for real. And they didn't have to wait long. On June 23rd, 2017, Channel 4 aired the first episode of the revived Crystal Maze. Despite calls for Stephen Merchant to continue as the Maze Master, having impressed in the one-off special a year prior, due to other commitments, he was unable to return. In his place, a new Maze Master, Richard Ayoade. His style of presenting was described as being a more cerebral and intense version of the character he played on the hit TV show The IT Crowd, and one of his trademarks is carrying the hand, a wooden hand on the end of a stick which he uses to guide the players around the Crystal Maze. Three series of the revived Crystal Maze were filmed and featured a mix of the general public and celebrities. However, as of the end of 2021, the show has reportedly been axed once again, leaving fans wondering if the iconic show will ever return again. When we look back on the greatest TV game shows in history, there is no doubt that the Crystal Maze will be up there with the best of them. Unlike anything we had seen before, it captivated the imagination and ignited a sense of adventure in us all. Had the initial pilot of Fort Bayard been successful, the Crystal Maze may never have existed. We will never know what a Fort Bayard led by Richard O'Brien would have looked like, but what manifested from those series of events was a show like no other. The Crystal Maze. Well, sadly that's all we've got time for this week, so we'll see you next week. Bye bye.